we magnify you, we glorify you, Jesus. <laughs> oh, we lift up your holy name, Jesus. That name that is above every name, Jesus. Set that name, every knee in heaven and in earth and below the earth must bow. And every tongue confess, every demonic principality and power that you have led triumphant over must bow to the Lordship of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We praise you and we magnify you and we glorify you, Jesus. You're worthy of all glory and honor and praise and thanksgiving. We glorify you, Jesus, ruler of everything, King of kings and Lord of lords. Today, we acknowledge you as Lord of our life. master of our life. We know you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords and we can look out there everywhere. But we say today, be Lord of my life. Holy Spirit, help us, strengthen us, teach us how to yield to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, to his word, to yield to you, Holy Spirit. That those things that you have paid the price of your own precious blood for us to possess those things that you have broken, the power that were over our life, that we might be free and healed and delivered, that we would see how to walk in the freedom by which you've made us free. That we would see, Holy Spirit, the power, the anointing that rests upon us because of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus, because you are Lord. No longer is sin lording over us. No longer do we believe that we're the Lord of our own destiny, but we yield ourselves to you, to your word, to your spirit, that we might have all that you have caused us to be born into the kingdom of God to have, that we might do all that you've called us to do, that we might be a reflection and refract the very light and color and splendor of the life that you've given to us, to those around us. Because of what we hear and we embrace today, what we put into action as we grow in our life with you, many people will come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We thank you for souls being saved into the kingdom of God. We thank you that there's a move and an awakening upon our earth right now and in our valley right now where people are awakening, the church is awakening. Things are happening, that people are awakening that you are real, that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And in the midst of what looks like despair, there is a light shining in the midst of darkness to draw people unto the brightness of your glory and your splendor, that they might live in eternal life. So we thank you for utterance. We thank you for ears to hear. We thank you for power, for transformation. So we give you the glory and the honor, the praise and the thanksgiving for what will be accomplished by your word and your spirit in each and every heart. Thank you for healing bodies. Thank you for delivering the captive. Thank you for giving recovery of sight to the blind. Thank you for binding up the brokenhearted. Thank you that things are being accomplished by your mighty power. Lives change. We give you glory and honor and praise and thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? Praise the Lord. It's good to be with you. Man, thank you so much. Uh, why don't you give the worship team a hand? 
Praise the Lord. We're so grateful for them and, and uh, how they lead us into worship. Um, just want to do this today. Why don't you, if you got your Bible, your, your device with you, why don't you raise it up? Say this with me. Uh, this is my Bible. This is God speaking to me. I can do everything it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. And I can be all it says I can be. Praise the Lord. If you believe that, you can be seated. I know that that is uh, Joel Osteen's. He got it from his dad. But today we're going to talk about the authority of God's word. And there's just a place where we have to acknowledge this is God speaking to me. It has authority and power. And if it has authority, if I allow it to have power and authority in my life, then I will be able to utilize it and live in the power and authority that I give it in my life. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I want to say thank you so much uh, for the beans and weenies. I hope, uh, I hope Brother Harry likes beans and weenies. Sounds like for dinner uh, with our guests tonight, we'll have some beans and weenies. Uh, praise the Lord. Uh, Alan, I love Alan and his sense of humor. Uh, uh, us getting a small dog has really just triggered something on the inside of him. He enjoys that so much. And uh, uh, we appreciate every single one of you. I know, uh, I believe I'm speaking for Tasha as well. Uh, man, we are, we are blessed. I know lots of pastors. I know lots of ministers around the country. And we're blessed. We're the greatest people in all of the world. And, uh, you know, when we talk about 30 years of pastoring, we have a number of people here who have been here. Uh, longer than I've been pastoring. And so they've been a part of this church. They've been committed. So when we started pastoring, they were a great help to us and still are to this day. And many of you, uh, so many of you are serving and helping and have served and helped uh, to minister, to bring life to people in a number of different areas. Many of you gave your life to Jesus here. You came in, recommitted your life. And uh, it's really all about what God is doing. And so we are, uh, you know, these appreciation times are, are so honoring, they're so humbling, uh, but we know we couldn't do it, and so we appreciate you uh, so much. And, uh, you know, if, if you say, well, if you appreciate us, can you give us something? Well, I only have five cans of beans and weenies, but we could share those uh, together if, if you want to. <laughs> Amen. And so I, I don't really, you know, it's kind of difficult. Words really can't express, and I'm not just saying that words can't express how much we appreciate you. And, uh, you know, there's always support. You know, there's challenges in life, but when you know people are praying for you, when you have a church family, uh, even when you're the leader and you, you know there's a church family supporting you, it means everything. And uh, so we're always so grateful and thankful for you all. And uh, just believe God's got greater things in store for us. And so we appreciate you. We thank you. Uh, Thank you for the acknowledgement in all of those things. Got a few things before we get into the word this morning that I want to remind you of. Uh, praise the Lord, and I can't even remember all of them right now. But first of all, I just want to remind you. Oh, I know what I want to say. Um, our team uh, got back last night. Is anybody on the team to Peru here this morning? Raise your hand. Um, they might not be in yet. They got in late last night. Uh, but yeah, they're sleeping. They got in late last night. So next week, we'll hear from the team from Peru. They had a great time in Peru ministering down there. Amen. And uh, our guys, we got in, uh, some got in all at different times. Some drove, some flew. We got in late last night. Uh, in, our men were in Tulsa. Uh, we had the privilege of ministering to about 600 men uh, uh, at a men's conference at Rama. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> and we had a really good time. What a blessing. 
Uh, I believe men are on the rise, uh, no matter what culture says, to take the lead and uh, to win in life uh, through Jesus Christ. So uh, that was awesome. So there's comings and goings, and consistently, uh, as, as it's been said about this place, it'll be like an anthill, people coming and going, preaching the gospel, coming in, getting equipped, going back out, and moving, and so uh, God's word is always true, and so we appreciate that. I appreciate our men, and uh, you know, as they were around there, uh, they're so, they, they integ- integrated, they got with other men, people came up to me and said, man, your men are, are quality, you've got great men in your church just by meeting them, and so... Uh, you know, sometimes we don't know it. We get familiar with each other. We want something better. We want something different. We're so used to each other. But uh, if you knew the quality of people that are around you, uh, high-quality people. We're brothers and sisters, so we have some family things that go on. We rub against each other from time to time. But God has honored you to be around some of the greatest people in the world. And, uh, you know, when I get out and, and they mingle with other people, and then people come and say, man, alive, you got great people and, uh, you know, it's just an honor to God and what uh, he's doing here. Amen? And it's just going to increase and continue to grow. I want to encourage you, uh, Pastor Tasha did, uh, but get out if you haven't mailed in already. Get out and vote. Get out and vote. Praise the Lord. You have a responsibility to do that. And uh, as we talk about the authority of God's word, uh, don't just vote. I know it can be like this, but we're not voting for prom king and queen. Right? We're not voting for the most uh, 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 greatest personality. We are to look at the word of God. We are to look at the platforms in which they say they represent. We are to look at what they uh, will vote on. And you need to look into that because there's so many people telling you stuff that's not true about what people represent. Is that right, Congresswoman? And they'll be lying just to present that to you and say they voted against this when that's not true. And it's very difficult for us because of the way our government works to say you voted against that because somewhere in a 30,000-page bill, there was a little something of something. And so you really have to look and see, but make sure you're not doing it. Go to the Word of God, put it next to the Word of God, and vote concerning what's right. Come on, if people are against family, then they're against God. People are against life, then they're against God. Come on. So we we want to look at what God says about that. And he said, when there's righteousness ruling a nation, the people will rejoice. When rightness is ruling a nation, people rejoice. So you look, you get in, you be prayerful, you be considerate of what God is saying. Don't just run in there and go, here's what I'm going to do based on an ad I saw. I'm going to prayerfully look at this. I'm going to look at the word of God. I'm going to consider what's going to lead our nation and then you vote. And I'm just telling you, the church will have more influence than you ever dreamed possible if the church will stand up and take its place. Amen? And I know people say, well, we shouldn't get political. We should be talking about Jesus and righteousness. We are. But I'm just here to tell you, they've made righteousness a political issue. They've done it. And so we have to stand for righteousness. We just have to take a stand for righteousness, for the word of truth, amen, and for what God has said. We want to, we have the privilege and we have the honor 
of electing our leaders. And we want to elect leaders who will lead in righteousness and not simply politicians. All right, you still love me? Come on, I'm your pastor. We need to get out. We need to make an influence outside of these four walls. They would try to push us into the four walls and then close the doors. But it ain't happening. We're coming together to reach out. We're coming together to go out and influence our community, our state, our nation, and the nations of the world with what's right and with the truth. Amen? So don't ever allow the enemy to close you in and box you in and say, now you just be in there. Listen, man, if everything else can come out of the closet, the church better come out and declare righteousness. God never intended us for to be, us to be closed in, but to go out and be the light to the nations of the world. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. So where do we want to open our Bibles to? Open your Bibles uh, to... Uh, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. We were talking about the authority that we have as believers. Very important in the day that we live in. If we look at the scripture, and uh, sometimes it amazes me. Certainly I'm human. Things that have transpired recently uh, in in the last few years have caught people by surprise uh, difficulty. But at some point, even when things catch us by surprise, we have to Uh, really understand as believers there are things working on the inside of us there's instruction that we have the spirit of God is on our side God's on our side that we are not totally run over and toppled by things that happen we're not mentally consumed and distracted by things that come about but we're able to mentally emotionally spiritually is where it starts to understand I know where this is coming from And I have authority over this. Now, I might not have authority over everything about it, but I have authority on how this is going to affect my life. And when I take authority over how it's going to affect my life, how it's going to affect my health, how it's going to affect my relationships, then I begin to have authority around me. But first, I have to understand when things come, how am I going to respond and how am I going to take authority over this because there's strategies of the enemy that are not going to stop. Paul said in the last days, the last of the last days, trouble would come that would even be hard to bear. And he explains why it will come. And if you go through that list, you'll find out we're pretty close to being there if we're not just fully immersed in those attitudes, those feelings, those actions that take place. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation or you will have trouble but be of good cheer so you know i'm not the most smiley guy in the world although on the inside people say if it is on the inside it should show on the outside and uh people say it takes more muscles to to frown than to smile but i just uh, i've never laid there sleeping with a big smile on my face it's just so uh but when things come and we recognize that we should be of good cheer not all troubled and like, oh my God, what's going to happen next? We should be a good cheer. Why? Because Jesus has overcome the world. James said, when things come, rejoice. Take up the lead by rejoicing. The enemy knows right away he started to capture things when things come and we get distressed and we, oh, he says, find a way to rejoice in what God has already done for you, the position that he has put you in at his own right hand, how he views 
you from a place of his own right hand. And when we view ourselves from that place of authority in Christ, not on our own, in Christ, we can rejoice knowing the authority that we have over our thoughts, over our emotions, over our actions, and how that will play out concerning influence and how things affect us when they come because it's coming. How many of you have realized it's coming? Right. Tomorrow's coming. And the enemy will try to do something tomorrow to keep you from thinking like God thinks, understanding what God thinks, viewing yourself like God views you, he'll do something. But if he can't, gets you where he wants you, you are actually living in victory and exercising authority over what he's doing. So if he comes to you and says, you know what, be offended at that cashier. And at that moment, you're like, yes, I should. No, I shouldn't. The love of God dwells in you. And in fact, I'm going to do good to them instead of be offended by them. You have just exercised authority over the enemy. See, we make it a big deal, but it's a day-to-day, moment-by-moment decision, and we have to know that we have the ability and the power to make that decision. It's been given to us. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always. So he said, I have authority, and I delegate that authority, so you go in authority and begin to make disciples. And so uh, that we know that's our, our, our part of our commission, our, our great commission. But many people get hung up because they go and they think, well, Jesus has authority, but I don't know if I do. And so he cleared that up in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 19. I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation. He says, now you understand that I have imparted to you all my authority. Or I've delegated to you all my authority to trample over his kingdom, speaking of the devil. You will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority. Now listen, he didn't say nothing will harm you because I did this. He said as you understand and as you walk in authority, the enemy will not be able to harm you. So it's not a mental thing. It's something that we start to understand that we receive and that we begin to put into practice. And once we receive it, understand it, put it into practice, he cannot gain ascendancy. He can no longer reign. Sin can no longer dominate. Jesus has done everything, but we need to get to know what he's done for us, how it applies to us, that we might release it when the enemy comes. Does that make sense? All right, and so when we look at this and we begin to look at what he said and the authority that he's given to us, we're going to talk about these, these three things uh, that he's done for us. And uh, turn over to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Starting in verse 3. Speaking of Jesus, it says, He who being the brightness of his glory. So, uh, again, I should have backed up a little bit, but I I will. Uh, The writer of Hebrews is talking about Jesus, and he's talking about God. And he says that Jesus is the very express image of the Father. 
He's the manifested image of the Father. He's the brightness of God's glory, the express image of God's person. And upholding all things by the word of his power. There's the word. He upholds everything by the word of his power. So listen, if he's upholding everything by the word of his power, and we're in him, we begin to uphold everything that God's called us to by the word of his power. Not by our natural strength, not by our own intellect, but by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. He said after he had shed his blood to purge our sin, the blood, purge our sin, he sat down in the place of authority at the right hand of majesty on high. Having become so much better than the angels, and he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. So right here, he encompasses for us how powerful the word, the name, and the blood are to us. Because we're in Christ and the authority that he has, the thing that he did is he upheld everything that God had promised. Every promise of God has its yes and its amen. It's yes and it's so be it to you and I in Christ. And when we find ourselves in Christ, we say yes to the promises of God. So God said yes in Christ. We say yes to God in Christ. Everything exists, consists when we bring it into and through Christ. And so we, you know, sometimes we get our authority out here. We're like, well, here we go. Uh, um, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. But we do this in and through him. Not for our own glory, but that he would be glorified. Amen. And so when we begin to look at that and we begin to recognize and understand it's by the word of his power, then Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, we look at this many times. He says, but for the word of God is living. Come on, this thing right here, whatever form you have it in, is alive. Now, I know if you come to church here a lot, you're like, you say that all the time. It is alive. And the moment you allow it by the spirit of God, to become life. Not just words on a page, but it's life to me. This is what I'm living. This is not what I'm trying to live. This is not what I'm, oh, if I could just do that. No, it becomes a part of my life. When offense comes, I don't receive it. I forgive. That's just what I do. That's just who I am. You say, really? Come on. Have you done that perfectly? That's always the question to make an excuse for us. Who's really done that perfectly except for Jesus? But we don't want to fall short of the mark. Instead of saying, who's done that? We begin to look and say, I do that in Christ. That's who I am. That's just part of my life when things come to forgive. It's not that things aren't going to come. The opportunity to be offended will come to you in moments. I will say something in a moment for some of you. Just, I won't even mean to. But the opportunity for it to offend you will come. 
Not because I meant to, not because I threw it out there, but because the enemy just jumped in and said something about what I was saying to get you stirred up. Because that's his strategy. But when we learn, I know exactly what that is, and I don't have to receive that. I have authority over that. We begin to win in life. We begin to do what the Bible says. We begin to reign in life as kings. So we don't yield to that thought. We don't yield to that strategy of the enemy. And it's only through the word of God that we begin to recognize that it is the enemy and the strategy of the enemy. Why? Because he's a deceiver. He's a liar. He's the father of lies, Jesus said. He's lied from the beginning. So the only way to combat that and recognize it is to know the truth. That's why Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Well, I need some freedom. Well, what's it going to set you free from? It's going to set you free from the lie. (laughs) See, I really need to be set free from worry or stress. No, you need to be set free from the lie that is causing you to worry. See, we're looking for God to just somehow cut worry. He wants to go right to the source and have you identify what is the devil lying to you about that's causing you to worry. And when I apply the word to that lie, it exposes it. It's no longer a lie. I throw it out as not truth, and worry stops. Whatever's bound you, there's a lie behind it that the word of God will expose the truth and the truth, the knowledge of God's truth will set you free from that lie. And once you're set free from that lie, whatever that lie has done to bind you, Come on, listen, Jesus, when they lowered that man through the roof, religion tried to say, you can't do that, you can't do that. But what did Jesus do? Jesus said, if I can get you to see that you've been lied to about who you are and cause you to see that you are forgiven of your sin, the truth about that forgiveness will set your body free from that sickness. And they said, who are you to tell this guy he can be forgiven? He said, I'm trying to make a point. The truth is that God forgives you. And when you get it, it'll set your body free. Because that sickness obviously came from the condemnation of sin that racked that man. The knowledge that I'm forgiven started to work through my whole body. So the word is so important when we talk about authority because the enemy's strategy is darkness. It's lying. It's deceiving. It's manipulating. And the only thing that, the thing that takes authority over that is the truth of God's word. So Proverbs chapter 4 says this, Listen carefully, my dear children, to everything that I teach you and pay attention to all that I say. Fill your thoughts with my words. Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. This word that is alive and quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, it pierces to the division of the soul and spirit, the joints and the marrow, and it's a discerner. The word of God being alive is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of my heart and your heart. That's why a lot of people... Why? Because they start to read it. That's why a lot of people... 
Stay away from church because when they hear it, it starts to show up stuff that we don't really want to deal with. And when the flesh is dominant, we're like, you know what? I might try that again later, but not right now. But he says, listen, if you let the word show that up and show the truth and you allow the spirit of God, not the enemy to bring condemnation, but you allow the spirit of God to work that truth in you and discern that that's not really who you are and what God's planned for that, he can penetrate to the strength of your spirit to overcome it. So instead of just saying, I'll think what I want, I'll I'll do what I want. No, I'm going to let the word of God discern the thoughts and the intentions that have come upon my heart. And when they're not God, because the word shows it up, then I capture them and I cast them out and I get them out of my life. And the word shows that up. And he says, when we do that and we allow that to work in our thoughts and to penetrate deep into our spirit, then as you unwrap my words come on sometimes we don't even take enough time to unwrap it to unpack it there's something that we have to do we'll we'll get to it in just a minute that we have to unpack it see Joshua in order to possess the land he had to unpack the word he knew what God had told Moses but he had to start unpacking it you know we just took that trip to Tulsa and when I got to the hotel room I had my bags and when I opened it, and I just didn't open it and go, oh, that's cool. It's unpacked. No, there was different clothes for different days. There was different underwear for different days. Praise the Lord. <laughs> different shoes for different situations. Thank God I took a, a sweatshirt because it was colder than I thought. So what did I do? I had to unpack the different aspects of it to see what I had, to see what I was going to wear that day. And, and, you know, the whole thought of it was so I could interact and be that. Well, the Word of God is there, and when we unpack it, it's not just for one thing. We begin to unpack the Word of God, and we begin to see the situational aspects of life, and we apply the Word of God. We put on the new man so that when we go out, we're fully equipped to reign in life over the strategies of the enemy. So then as you unwrap the word, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. Woo! Come on, as we unpack it, it starts to impart life to us. And true radiant health. So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your inmost being. We always pay attention to the welfare of our outmost being. Right? We make sure, you know, we, we're looking good, we're feeling good, we're eating good. But he said, now give the utmost of care for the inmost being. For from there, not from the outward, Not from how you impress people from the outward, but from the inward is where the very wellspring of life uh, uh, springs forth. Praise the Lord. And so there's something that we can do. We can have a great confidence in the word of God because Psalms 119 verse 89 says, forever, O Lord, your word is settled 
in heaven. Forever his word is settled in heaven. The power of his word is consistent forever and ever and ever. It's not like God said this and it's gone away. It was a fad. No, it's forever settled in heaven. Numbers chapter 23 verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it and will he not do it? Come on, there's things in here you're wondering what's going to happen. When's God going to do something? But you don't even know what he promised to do. He said, look in here, and if God said it, God's going to do it. Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Isaiah chapter 58, I'm just trying to encourage you. You need to get in, write these down, go look at these, meditate on these, because they're truth of God's word. When you start to understand, listen, God didn't lie to me. God told me the truth, and everything he told me is fulfilled in Christ Jesus. And it's something bigger than I know. Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, my, For my thoughts, speaking about my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and they do not return there, but water the earth and bring it forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing to which I've sent it. Come on, you want to raise to a higher place of thinking and a higher place of living? Get into God's word. Why? Because his thoughts are higher than ours and his ways are higher than ours. People are like, well, there, there you go. We're just living down here. No, he gave us the Holy Spirit so we could start to think on a higher plane. We could start to live on a higher plane, God's thoughts, not settle for something less than the best. And so really it's important for us to begin to understand how we receive it and how we look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18 says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So we with unveiled face. In other words, because of the Spirit of God, giving place to the Spirit of God, we're not like the Old Testament with a veil between us and God. Or like he says, when Moses came down and the glory shone, they had to put a veil on their face. He said, no, that's all stripped away for us that clarity might come. He said, so we with all with unveiled face, behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. He said, when we look into the word of God, there is a reflection of the glory, or, or it says, uh, of his very image. So we talked about this a lot in, in the men's conference uh, uh, just this week, this past weekend. But it bears repeating as we're looking into the word. When you look into the word, what are you looking for? Well, I'm just looking for what God says and tells me to do. Well, then you're going to be tripped up. He says, what we're looking into the word for is to see who I am. And if I can begin to see who I am, that in Christ, I'm victorious. In Christ, I have authority. In Christ, I have the power to forgive. In Christ, there's joy. In Christ, there's peace. And I look and I say, that's me. That's me. Because how I see myself is incredibly powerful. We have trouble seeing ourselves as God sees us. Why? Because we have a lot of different input that's coming, people telling us what we look like. Well, you just have a bad attitude. Well, you're just a mean person. You're just, and we listen to that, and if we're not careful, that's the image of ourself that we get 
because somebody said that to us so much and we've heard it and we've received it and it's created a picture of ourselves and we begin to respond to that picture of ourselves. But God never wanted us to have the picture somebody else has of us. He wants us to have the picture that he has of us. He doesn't want us to have a picture that we can't overcome sin. We're always going to fall prey to temptation. That somehow those things, those habits, those, those uh, things that our parents did or somebody else did are going to rule our life. No, he wants us to see us as accepted, as forgiven. Man, I'm telling you, when you see yourself as forgiven... Not just know, yeah, I'm forgiven, but, you know, I did this and I did this. And, you know, back in the day and back in the day. No, when you all of a sudden see I am forgiven, it starts to change everything. If I'm actually forgiven, if I'm actually pure and white as snow, Not, well, yeah, I'm forgiven, but I still have a bad attitude. Really? Why would you have a bad attitude if you're totally forgiven? And listen, you'll hear yourself say, well, I have a bad attitude because of what someone did. Wait a minute, I thought that was forgiven. Oh, yeah, but no, it really happened. No, you see yourself forgiven. When you do and you see what he did, you can forgive others. When you forgive others, how can you have a bad attitude about what they did? See, we, we say we see ourselves, but I'm trying to get us to dig a little deeper. Can you see yourself forgiven? Because if you can see yourself forgiven, then you can see yourself healed. What does it look like if you're struggling with depression? What does it look like to be free from that? I'm not just saying that. You're going to have to get into your imagination and see yourself when the enemy comes and you're like, this is something I can't control to say I know. But Holy Spirit, I'm going to depend upon you and see myself like you see me. So when that comes, the authority to say, not today, I can rejoice. Because that thing will tell you, you can't rejoice. Don't even try. I showed up. When you weren't expecting it, that person, I can't love them. But if you saw yourself, that person you struggle with, that person that you just struggle with, they're just hard to love. Could you see yourself loving them? And that's the problem. If we had that conversation, yeah, but no. (laughs) I love them because God makes me. No, I mean see yourself loving them. Because if you could see and get that image of yourself, that reflection of yourself, the Holy Spirit will start changing us from glory to glory. Not a little bit, but backwards to what happened to you. No, from glory to glory until there's a change. All right, so I'm just going to give you these. All right, all right. So I'm just going to give you this thought. Give you this thought. See, all the guys are expecting this because I actually got done on time at the conference. So now they know it's possible. Had everybody, had everybody hoodwinked. It's not possible for me to get done near time, but I have done it. All right, I'm just going to give you this to think about. This is just to think about. Don't analyze it too much. Just let the Holy Spirit help you. A process. We'll get back to it next week. 
So what does hearing, hearing the word do? We know the word of God is so powerful. So if I just hear the word, you've heard the word today, and even right now, it's causing you to have thoughts. It's causing you to have thoughts. One gentleman said, you know, it'll cause you to have thoughts, and by the time you get out of here, the devil will get, bring another thought. You've got to identify it, but it brings thoughts. But receiving, now that you have a thought, you're going to have to make a decision, am I going to receive that? In 1 Thessalonians, Paul said, we don't cease to, to give thanks for you because when you heard us, you received this word as it is in truth, not the word of men, but the word of God. You welcomed it as the word of God. So how will you receive it? It starts, you heard it with a thought. Will you welcome it? Or not? Because if you welcome it, it really begins to take a hold of your life and begins to take a place of authority in your life. And so once you welcome it, then you begin to meditate on it. And throughout the week, as you meditate on the power of the word and that you have authority, then meditation on the word will cause you to start envisioning what it looks like. See, many times we just went, I went to church, I heard the word, I believe it, but we never get to the point that we envision it. Well, pastor, how do I envision it? By meditating on it. By meditating on it. The word of God possessing the land. They went and said, we can't do this. We see it differently. But he told uh, Joshua, he said, you meditate on the word day and night. I promise to give you this land. I promise. So you meditate on that. And when you look at that land, you see that land as yours. You see Jericho has fallen. You see it. Well, how am I going to see it, God? He says, you meditate on it. And as you meditate on it, the word has the power to come alive and create vision. And as that vision arises, start saying what you see. Start saying what you see. Because you've heard it, you've thought about it, you've welcomed it, now you're meditating on it, and it's creating a whole different picture for you. So you're going to have to start saying it, and saying it will change direction. Saying it will change direction. That's why the enemy said, just don't be so bold to say it because he knows I got you going a direction. You start talking about a different direction. And as, as James said, your tongue will guide your life. And then James says, put it into action. After you start talking about it, then start being a doer of what the word has said, what you've, met, uh, what you've received, what you've meditated on, what you've spoken about, then start putting it to action because in the action is the results. He said you will be blessed in the doing, not in the thinking, not in the meditating. There's an element of it, but the results come from actually acting out what you've seen the word of God has declared you are so when you start to see yourself forgiving people then you will actually step out and forgive them and when you do there will be a whole area of your life that will be released into a future that has been held captive since the day you held on to that offense 
When you see yourself rejoicing, something comes to depress you or make you sad, and you actually know where it comes from, and you rejoice because you've seen yourself rejoicing. When you see yourself healed, and God leads you into doing things you couldn't do before, and you find out there's results in that. Not because I just want to, but because I've heard it. I think about it different than I used to. Come on. And what I've thought about, I've cast out all the thoughts of the enemy, and I've received this as God speaking to me. And so I meditate on it. I see it. I speak it. And now I see myself in action. And the results begin to take place. And the word has the authority to carry you through into that change of life, acting just like his word is true. The enemy is afraid of that process. He's afraid. He will come against you. He's afraid of you taking that process this week and experiencing doing something you haven't been doing and saying, nope, I'm not doing that. I'm doing this. Because the moment you make that decision, you have exercised the authority of God's word over the lie of the enemy. Why don't you stand up? I'm going to take a breath now. (laughs) Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify and glorify you. We thank you for your word that you have spoken to us. This word that's on a page, it was inspired. You said the Holy Spirit moved on men of old to write these things down, inspired by the Spirit of God, that we might have them. That we might see your words. We might consume them. We might receive them into our life. They have the power that that you've set forth to grow and to produce fruit, that it will accomplish whatever you set forth for it to do, that it's true and it's not a lie, that if you said it, you'll do it. If you promise it, you'll perform it. All you need is for us to put faith in you and your word. So help us today. Holy Spirit, lead us, guide us, teach us, each one, to come to that place of believing you of looking at your word and accepting that it's true for me that I might be all that you have called me to be and created me to be just a moment I feel impressed just I don't know everybody here but the biggest step of believing God and taking authority over the enemy she's ruled your life and kept you away from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is to say you know what today I've heard your word. You have a higher potential for me. You want to live in relationship with me. So I'm going to believe your word and accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And when you do, you've just accepted authority over the sin that would rule your life and keep you from a relationship with God. You've exercised a powerful authority over the strategy of the enemy to keep you in death and destruction. If you're here this morning, you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. He said, if you'll just believe, if you'll confess with your mouth, Jesus, come in and be the authority, the master of my life. Because I believe you died for my sin, that God raised you from the dead so I could be forgiven of my sin and step into a relationship with you which creates a brand new way of living for me. If that's you this morning, you say, I need Jesus as my Lord. I want to pray with you this morning. Anybody at all? I don't want to leave without giving this opportunity. Anybody at all? Raise your hand. I'll pray with you. Praise God. Praise God. Well, perchance somebody's watching online 
We want to pray this prayer. Let's all pray it together. Say, Father God, I come to you this morning in the name of Jesus. I'm ready to lay my life aside and give it over to you. So with my mouth, I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I believe with all of my heart you died for my sin. God raised you from the dead so that I could be justified. So I thank you for coming into my life today, forgiving my sin, and being the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you are watching and you prayed that prayer, go on to our website. Uh, share your story. We'd love to hear that you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. We want to get you some information that will help you uh, go on and take the next step in your journey, living with him, being a new creation in Christ. If perchance you prayed that, you didn't raise your hand, there will be altar workers up here to give you just a little gift to help you move forward in your next step in living a new creation life. In Jesus' name. Say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus? Far exceeds. Any damage done to me? By Adam's fall, you can be dismissed. Make it a great day.